So happy new year, everyone. Welcome back to Thrive. I literally could not think of a better way to start 2020 and a new decade than to talk about consciousness and mind training for agency leaders. So I'm really happy to have everyone with me today. My guest is this beautiful being, Anahita Mogadam. She's the founder of Neural Beings. Uh, she's a consultant to organizations and individuals who are really purpose-driven, uh, mission-driven, and she's also an international speaker, which is actually how we met. Uh, we met last year at the World Happiness Summit in Miami, and instantly I knew that we had to work together. Uh, I was in the audience, she didn't know this on stage, but I knew. And uh, so she's been working with me as my mind training and Buddhist psychology coach for the last eight months. And she's also one of the people that I've interviewed for the book that I'm writing. So, so excited to have you on the show with me today. I'm so grateful for you to be here. Thank you so Thank much. You welcome. So much. I really appreciate such a warm welcome, Kelly. And it's, a, it's an honor to be here and to be able to say some things that may add some value. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start out with sort of setting some context. Um, what do we mean by consciousness and how does mind training actually help us to live happier, healthier lives? Mm -hmm. Well, I think when it comes to the question of consciousness, I'm probably not qualified to really explain what it is. I don't even know if there is any clear understanding of what really <laughs> consciousness is. Fair right? enough, so fair enough. There's <laughs> a pretty hard problem out there, but, but let's just call it awareness. Um, let's call it maybe even like deeper mind, right? So let, let's like borrow back the, the term deep mind from the world of AI and, and robotics and computing and so forth and just refer to that deeper mind, which is synonymous for awareness, for knowing that a lot of the contemplative traditions are pointing us towards, right? So with the practice of introspection and gradually sort of calming the mind, we may start to um, access states of awareness or um, states of mind perhaps that have the potential um, of revealing let's say the true nature of reality right so once you achieve that deep level of consciousness or awareness you start to see things in a more let's say clear manner less distorted by your own filters and perhaps more congruent with the way that things really are and coming back to your question about how does mind training actually create a better life? Well, I think it's pretty simple. So let's just go back up to a more surface level understanding of the mind, which is what our current under scientific definition is of mind. So mind being sort of the cognitive processes that in, let's say, reduction of scientific terms is considered a byproduct of the electrochemical processes that happen in the brain, right? Let's just say mind is that. Mind is like all the thinking and that is produced by the brain, which I don't agree with that definition, but let's just, let's just hold that for a moment. Okay. Then, if that's the case, most of us are subject to a lot of negativity, a lot of habitual thinking that actually doesn't make us really happy. In fact, it keeps us in these kind of ongoing inner dialogues that just make loops. us more and more connected loops, um, disconnected from ourselves, and let alone from other people. And so... I think that the more we can have an understanding of the mechanics of mind and how mind works, and mind is not separate from feelings and emotions. So the whole thing, the whole system, the more we can have an understanding of how it all works for oneself or ourselves individually, mm -hmm. the more we can perhaps begin to change it. 
And when we can change it, we can change it into something that is a bit more conducive to our well-being and our happiness, maybe even to our professional lives. Mm. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I know that, you know, as I said at the beginning of the show, you work with leaders of organizations, you work with um, individual leaders. We all know the responsibilities that, that come with leadership, right? But what does the responsibility to lead oneself really entail? I would say it begins with humility. <laughs> I mm. work with leaders and I think that, you know, with, with all love and respect to become a leader, a lot of the time, a pretty you know, a pretty well-defined ego is required. <laughs> a lot of people become leaders um, because of, you know, motivations that they may not even be conscious of or aware of. Mm. So when you're working with a leader, the first thing to do is to just really make them aware of their ego. And by ego, I'm referring to their sense of self. And maybe, you know, in some cases when you're dealing with people in leadership positions, the sense of self is really calcified because it's constantly been reified by their environment, by the people that work for them, by themselves, yeah. by how they see themselves in their positions. So to start to slowly decalcify the sense of self or this ego is, is, a, is a whole art form in and of itself, which Absolutely. Is, requires willingness on the part of the leader humility to be able to actually say maybe there is more to me or less to me <laughs> than what i think there is okay. and um and then of course the massive discipline resolve and resilience that is required to actually change to yeah. really change yeah so and that, I, mm -hmm. I was just going to say and all of that obviously resonates with me that's a great encapsulation because that's really i think um a boiled down version of the work that we've been doing together, you know, for the last eight months. And it does require all of those things coming to the table to say, I had this, this sort of CEO egoic, you know, thing, this ego that I, that I came with and now help me strip it down and unravel it. And I want to be willing to do that. I want to, I want to get down to the simplicity, um, get down to that humility, um, be in service of others. And then, you know, go through the disciplines, whether it's changing mind, changing action, all of those things. So it's that that resonates really, really deeply. Mm -hmm. Exactly, as you say. And mm -hmm. I think that the more you are able to do that, the more, let's say the weight, the baggage, the armor, the identification uh, is removed. So what what happens naturally is there's a sense of lightness and yeah. a sense of ease and flexibility that comes sort of as a byproduct of this work with that inevitably you're going to be more pleasant to be around when you're more <laughs> i hope so <laughs> ample yes of course there's ample you know research that's been done on how you know happy individuals are more likely to have better relationships when a leader is more let's say calm and kind and generous and friendly they're going to invoke a deeper sense of trust and reliability and loyalty from their um, employees they're going to be much more motivated to work for a leader that's mm. kind versus a leader who is perhaps not as you know is a bit more rigid and is a little bit more unnecessarily firm uh, or closed off or lacking empathy so you're just going to benefit from it in every way. Yeah. And I think also I would, I would add to that or build on that with um, the aspect of vulnerability. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know we've talked or I've talked about Brene Brown on this show before, but I think that aspect of vulnerability um, sort of builds nicely on everything that you just said, because the more vulnerable we are, the less rigid, the less closed off, the more I can say, you know what, 
I need help from my team to help lead this organization. Or, hey, this is something that I'm struggling with. Like, remember, I'm human, not just the not just the leader, right? And I don't have all of the answers and I have to rely on you as my team. That's why I built this team of people who are really talented and some of them smarter than me. And you know, you have to just let that go. And really, again, that goes into the trust that you're talking about. So I think vulnerability is definitely something I would add to that. Absolutely. And, and that's really what my understanding is of a leader, is someone who helps other people be their best yeah. rather than they are doing all the work and others are following. They, they actually, yeah. they are creating and inspiring others to become leaders. Yeah. 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 It's all about empowering other people. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So in your own coaching and consulting practice, um, how do you actually help leaders uh, to gain this clear understanding of how their minds work and then how that leads to taking the right actions in their lives? Like, give me like a little bit more about the nuts and bolts so I can share that with everyone. Okay. Uh, well, I guess when they sign up with me, <laughs> it's sort of, I, my role is to be that really uncomfortable instance in their <laughs> life and their reality that first shows them who they are and how they are, right? So maybe, you know, just acting as, as a mirror of sorts. Hmm. And for that, you know, going, you know, uh, referencing the Buddhist teachings, um, we have to become really comfortable with the reality of our suffering with the reality of our dysfunction. So in order for us to actually go from um, being perhaps unhappy to happy, we have to first really look at what is making us unhappy. Mm -hmm. We have to understand the causes for that unhappiness or that dysfunction or that suffering, whatever you want to call it. By understanding the causes, we can then slowly begin to tweak them and change them, right? Because everything is subject to change. So that's beautiful. Nothing is fixed in any sense. Right. we can begin to work at it so it begins the process the work that i do begins with really kind of shedding a realistic light on the condition and the circumstances and the inner reality of a a person and not everybody wants to do that not everyone wants to be why not that sounds like so much fun (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly um not everyone wants to do that it's an uncomfortable process not many people want to look at themselves in that light in that unfavorable light perhaps But once we begin to do that, we start to then create a sort of a map of where we want to go. Most of us want to be happy. I think if probably all of us want to be happy. Nobody wants to be unhappy. Nobody wants to suffer. So we, we all agree that we want to be happy. But then we can get further into the definition of what happiness is for each person. Mm. Happiness would be, you know, achieving a certain level of success work-wise, achieving a certain, you know, reality in regards to interpersonal relationships, ro- romantic or love relationships, whatever, health. So we define what that sort of goal is. And then we go back to our present moment right so again referencing the buddhist teachings everything happens in this moment so right so it's in this present moment that we can't even locate like like there's no we can't even hold on to the present because it's constantly fleeting right, right. we can have a we can attempt to work with this present moment and it's our actions right our actions which actually then become our future experience it's the ways that i think the ways that i speak the ways in which i act over time, this will weave my reality into existence. So we have to become clear on where we want to go mm. and make sure that our actions in the present are congruent with the results that we want. Most of us want a certain reality in the future, but our actions are so incongruent right. with that 
with that reality that we're striving towards. And we keep falling into this hole of dissatisfaction and unhappiness. Yeah. And we're able to, whether it's to conjure forth the discipline or the awareness or the resilience, whatever resources are needed to actually make sure that our actions are congruent with the results we want. Right. So this uh, in Buddhism uh, is called pervasive dissatisfaction, right? That recurring loop. I've been doing my homework, by the way. Yeah. Uh, so like that recurring loop of like, this is how I want to act in integrity or how I want to feel or how I want to live. But then my actions are, are not in alignment with that. And so yeah, that's really, that's, not, that's where the work is. Absolutely. But the sad thing is that my actions are not in line, alignment with that. And I'm not even aware of it. So what happens is I'm constantly feeling this like underlying nagging feeling of things being off. It's almost like no matter what, there's always something that's not right, whether it's my own experience of myself subjectively or my world or my work or my relationships. Something always needs to change in some future instance for me to finally arrive at that moment of happiness. Right. The reality is it's like the carrot that's dangling in front of the you know, horse. It's never going to never you're never going to reach it unless right. you do what? Testing. you. <laughs> What's that? I was just testing you. Oh, I didn't hear what you said. Sleeping, Kelly? <laughs> In the future. Okay, now, sorry, I put you on the spot on your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Hey, it's all about vulnerability, right? Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. So, um, unless we, now I forgot my own, um, what I was <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. Oh, this is God. the beauty. This is the beauty of an organic conversation, right? Exactly, right. No, I was going to say, unless we really, um, we become really aware, whatever, forget about it. But anyway, moving on. Yeah. So um, <laughs> as, as we start to sort of like wrap up the conversation a little bit, I think it would be really helpful for agency leaders who, um, I, don't, I don't know exactly how many of the people who watch or listen are, are into um, meditation or have a, a meditation practice, but I know that that is certainly part of the work that you do, um, part of the work that we do together. So I think it might be helpful, uh, if you're open to it, to do um, some kind of guided meditation that we can invite everyone to kind of do this together with us. Uh, I think that would be a, a beautiful way to start the year. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> gladly. So I would say let's find a comfortable seat. And by comfort, I'm uh, referring to a sense of stability in the body, but also a sense of ease. So make sure that you can relax the body, but your body is also sort of upright and stable. And if you're comfortable, you can close your eyes. If you prefer, you can leave them open. Try to not fix your gaze upon anything if your eyes are open. And let's just take three deep breaths, uh, inhaling through the nose, exhaling through the mouth. This way we begin to sort of downregulate the, the sympathetic nervous system, activating the parasympathetic nervous system, and inviting the body into a state of relaxation. So inhaling deeply through the nose, exhaling through the mouth. And as you exhale the air out, allow the weight of your body to drop and allow the weight of your body to be supported by whatever you're sitting on, inhaling through the nose, exhaling through the mouth. And one more time. I know you may have done more than three rounds, that's okay. Make sure the exhalations are long and as you exhale, the abdomen is pulled inwards. And then just 
closing the mouth, breathing naturally through the nose. And begin to lose interest in the world of the external. And begin to become curious about the world of the internal. Curious to know what is happening in this inner realm that a lot of these contemplative traditions are inviting us to explore. What is my feeling in this moment? How am I feeling? And see if you can refrain from grabbing onto language and labels and just allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. And trying to refrain from judging the feelings as good or bad or wrong or right, just feeling. Notice if there's any change in the quality of your mind as you keep going inwards and inquiring. Inquiring into the nature of your subjective experience. Let's go a little further and ask ourselves, what is the quality of my mind in this moment? And listening for the answer. So in order for the answer to become audible in a non-audible sense, you got to become quiet. What is the quality of my mind? And allowing all sounds and activity in your external environment to be there without any, losing any attention on it. What is the quality of my mind? And it's almost like a tuning in or a sensing or a listening quality that is required. And just this mere act of listening or tuning or sensing into is enough to calm the mind as an entry point into meditation. And just take a moment to let that go and just rest, allow your mind to rest in its natural sort of state. If it wants to run around, if it wants to go into the future, into the past, just let it. But see if you can watch how your mind behaves right now when you let it go. It's like a wild horse that you just let go and it starts doing what it does. And you just observe it. Without any judgment, of course. Just taking note. And then letting that go and slowly um, having the intention to come out. Take a moment to acknowledge the fact that you did a meditation for a few minutes. So give yourself that credit. I just meditated. Maybe you allow yourself to feel a you know, little sense of joy or happiness or contentment at that. And then slowly beginning to bring a little bit of movement into the body. And whenever you're ready, you can open your eyes. Mm. That was beautiful. Thank you.
You're welcome. Well, I feel a lot calmer now. <laughs> good, good thing we didn't do this at the beginning of the show. I would have been like monotone the whole time. We're just sitting here looking at each other. Yeah. And it is amazing um, when you do come out of meditation, your whole affect really does change, you know? So yeah. if you don't think it's quote unquote working, it's always right. working. Beautiful, exactly. It's always working. Yeah, I heard uh, Sharon Salzberg say that the other day, actually. Yeah? Yeah, is it a quote by her? No, I just said it. Oh, it's fantastic. Yes, when you think it's not working, it's actually working. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'm, I'm channeling my, my inner Sharon. <laughs> Sure. Well, Anahita, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for guiding us through that meditation. Thank you for everything that you're doing in the world. And i um, really, really grateful for you to be here. Thank you so much for having me, Kelly. And uh, thank you to everyone who's been listening. And I hope you're happy, happier, tiny bit, maybe. This episode has been brought to you by Workamajig, the number one creative agency management software show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.